Welcome into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Maze Marquise with you here on this Thursday edition of the show. Good to have you in for the next four hours. Locked and loaded today. So much to get to. Literally every single segment could be epic. That's the kind of Thursday we have in plan for you. I I think it should be guaranteed. Guaranteed. I mean, I think every segment of the show history, historically, has been epic. So, real quick, uh, Preds tonight, I know you've got some Smashville Live stories, mm. but I'll be damned if I didn't feel old last night. Uh-oh. Uh, NBA on one TV, College Hoops on the second TV. Oh, no. Jerry Stackhouse snaps a 20-game losing streak for Vanderbilt, wins his debut. Opponent irrelevant, Southeast <laughs> Missouri State. But I'm like, wait a minute. I remember like when I was 12 years old watching Jerry Stackhouse play for Dean Smith, and now he's coaching and he's coaching Scottie Pippen's kid. I'm like, where did my childhood go? Uh, Life is over. The, the, <laughs> up in smoke like yeah. the rest of ours? Jeez. Going away slowly. It was just like one of those moments where like, well, like wow, I'm getting old. Yeah. Scottie Pippen's kid is playing college basketball. Derek's going on a college visit, and he's about yeah. to be an empty nester. <laughs> yeah, so time does go by. Time is not on our side. No, it's not. Seems like yesterday you were just in the Liberty Bowl. Seems like yesterday <laughs> when all my pain is gone away. Is that how the song goes? I think so. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yes. The pain caused by the floor of the Liberty Bowl because it was oh, uh, a cement. Let's not, yeah, let's not go back there. No, we will not. <laughs> first started, my freshman, first started my freshman Bowl. year at the Liberty Bowl playing Louisville. It was horrible. It was yeah. raining, sloppy. <laughs> I mean, I thought bowl games. When you, when you think of bowl games as a freshman, Glamorous. You think you're going somewhere sunny, you know, you're getting this huge swag bag, even though they ain't called a swag bag then. And you end up in Shreveport. But you get this huge swag bag, <laughs> and everything is fine and dandy. We end up, you know, in Memphis, which, I mean, you know, I hadn't been, you know, being from Detroit, I had never been to Memphis. So it was cool. Did, they go to, did you guys go to Graceland? Like, um, did they yeah. Do, do you guys a tour or anything? Uh, we did a tour of all, all of all of the historic places in uh memphis which i mean memphis is one of the most historic cities uh around uh, but then game time came and it was 30 degrees and raining <laughs> and as a freshman i'm just standing out there didn't play much with my newman gloves on <laughs> i remember the newmans <laughs> yes. do, do, so do you guys know, you guys know those uh garages low cut rebox <laughs> Nice. You know those garages, like in the '80s, that had that really thin piece of carpet on it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, like a cement. Like, cause, like I, I never, I don't think I ever had a garage with carpet on it. But I feel like in the '80s, there were that was like a thing. I don't know. Maybe somebody can correct. No, me. it was. So I feel like that's what the floor of the Liberty Bowl probably felt like oh. as a football player getting tackled. Am I wrong about that? So you're saying the turf wasn't it, good for humans well, to fall no, on? It was grass at the Liberty it was Bowl. Grass at the yeah, time? it was grass at the Liberty Bowl, but it was just horrible grass. Yeah. Well, that's bad. Horrible, and we lost. Well, that's not good. Sorry to bring you back to your childhood. Yeah, I mean, hey, sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. And then, you know, the, then the crazy part about it is that I end up playing my first NFL game in Memphis. Cool. <laughs> You're like, cool. Fantasy team name next year, the Memphis Masons. So um, Last night. So I, I get, I have a buddy of mine who every, we talk about time going by so fast, right? Like, isn't there, there's a phrase with parents. That is, oh, they, they grow up so fast, right? And my buddy always looks at people that say that, and he says, 
Actually, no, that's not true. They all grow up at the exact same rate. Mm-hmm. Every single day is the exact same amount of time. Do you have a problem with somebody like being like, not like an editor, but just somebody who's like, no, 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 hang on. Actually, that's not true. They don't grow up fast. They grow up exactly the same paces. You and I did. Everybody's kids, like my daughter's 18. It took her 18 years to grow up the right. exact same amount of time as everybody yeah. else. She didn't get to 18 quicker she than anyone. Did. She didn't get there faster than anybody else. So I kind of think it's snarky and hilarious, but I can see how people might take that as um, just, just it's just a phrase, dude. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Just settle down, chill out. So, I, lo- I love it. I think it's hilarious. Smashville Live last night. Any good stories? Yeah, I mean a couple. I mean Mike Fisher is is a, a fascinating individual. Did he bring the misses? And of course not. Okay. Um, no, that, that would not. As as famous and as popular and as amazing as Mike Fisher is, um, I, Carrie would uh, like the whole place would be swamped with if Carrie showed up. So. Um, no, no, he did not. First, first of all, he he told me, and this was not on the show actually. Yesterday was the first time he had skated since he retired. So uh, he got a little game going out there in Franklin, where he lives or whatever, with a couple of the old guys, and and he's like, "Yeah, I- I'm going to be sore tomorrow because this is the first time I've skated in a year and a half." Um, and you know, being out of the game, I think um, he talked a lot about leadership. Uh, I asked him about what it, what takes to be a great leader. Um, and he was big on communication, talking about Peter Laviolette and how good Peter Laviolette is at communicating, and that's what makes him, you know, the the push and pull. Um, I thought this was interesting too, and, and I think it's just a good good lesson because Mike is a very wise sort of sage guy. Um, just that that he never played, he never really cared about a coach's abilities on an X's and O's standpoint. Mm-hmm. He cared about, you know, do do you have my best interest in heart? And if you've got my best interest at heart then I'm going to take your best interest at heart, and then we're all going to run through a wall together. And, you know, I think that's lost in a lot of businesses where you need great leaders for a business to run smoothly and be productive and to really go after the thing that you're after, whatever it is, the Stanley Cup or, you know, whatever. And I think he just is a really – he's just got such an interesting way of of speaking about these things. And uh, so if you have a chance to go back and listen to it, I I recommend it. He talked a lot about – you know, Roman Yossi and the way he talks, you don't have to speak a lot to be a great leader. Um, just a very interesting conversation around leadership. And I think I think it applies to every office in America that if you have your employees' best interest at heart and they know that uh, and you're all pulling in the same direction, you're going to accomplish far more than if you're trying to, you know, battle with people. And, and, I, and I know that sounds like common sense, mm-hmm. but I think it's an – I found it to be a very important lesson. Uh, listening to him. Also, he doesn't remember the plane flight at all coming back, going to or coming back Anaheim, from Anaheim in Game 5. Really? Uh, doesn't remember it at all because, you know, obviously he was pretty beaten up at that point going to the Cup. That They go out to Anaheim. They have to get a win to keep this. It's 2-2. They go out to Anaheim in Game 5 and – or no, no, uh, Game 6. And he, he doesn't remember flying out there or flying. But I go, do you remember the flight? Like, do you remember what it was like? He goes, I have no clue. I don't remember any of it, and it's because he was concussed. He was concussed, and he talked. He was very open about how, you know, his his brain was mush at that time, uh, and didn't have any recollection of even flying out to Anaheim. Not not to make it too dark on a you know six oh seven here on a Thursday, but he <laughs> he didn't start alluding to like CTE or anything like that. No, did he? no, 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 okay. no. Just but like I mean, <laughs> it's right. sort of implied at this point when when, sure. when you can't remember a chunk of time because you were concussed. Mm-hmm. Like that's I don't know what what else do you, I'm, I'm sorry science I don't need it I don't need you at that point yeah. <laughs> like you just don't remember yeah hello it's obvious <laughs> like my brain hit my and, skull and that wasn't the point that wasn't yeah. the point wasn't to get into CTE or or whatever but he just I found it interesting 
to hear an athlete talk openly about the impacts of a concussion and what it's done to him even today, two years, three years later. Mm-hmm. He has no clue. He has no recollection of the flight out to, to Anaheim and the flight back and the experience. And it's Brutal. just it's just sort of a, a – it's it's not dark. It's just sort of scary a little bit and that the, that these guys are going out there and laying it on the line. Like, Derek, you know, you talk about, hey, you want to run, run play for Bama right now? And you're like, oh, I got a headache. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like that's – that's a real thing. Like mm-hmm. Athletes experience that in a really, really tangible way, obviously. Predators and the Avalanche tonight, a Central Division showdown in Colorado. The puck will drop at 8 o'clock, pregame at 7. Here on 102.5, the game, the Preds sitting on 20 points, Colorado with 18. The Blues keep rolling, and obviously this is a big-time matchup. Colorado continues to ascend each year in the postseason. And remember back when we started you know, our preview of the season back in late September, early October, all the experts believe Colorado is the team in the Central this year. Yeah, this is a listen. It's it's just one of eighty two. We got a ton of games, but this does feel like one you circle um, and you just go. All right, let's 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 learn some stuff here, right? Let's find out because we've seen these teams in the playoffs. We've seen Colorado's growth over the last two two or three seasons. We we know how well this Nashville team is playing, especially in offense and ideally on the power play, so that you get Dan Lambert's face tattooed on your butt cheek. Give it all to me, baby. <laughs> Give me it all. <laughs> Derek's shaking his head over there. I'm just like, I'm gonna send you guys selfies once I get you know, it. You don't get wanna, his whole body printed on your face. Depends on where you put it at. I'm good on the selfie. Well, yeah. What about a full like yeah, Dan yeah. <laughs> on your torso, <laughs> down your rib cage? Just a man standing with a clipboard. <laughs> Hey boys, you want to see my lamb stamp? Wow, you've been working on that. Hang on, you've been working on that. Uh, yeah, the I lamb did. stamp. You've been working. You've been working on that one. I did. I like that, dude. That's really good. Like oh, it. but I digress. No, listen. Great game tonight. Yeah. You, you circle it. You 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 find out how you guys stack up against each other, and it's just the beginning of a, a five or six game, maybe a, and then maybe a playoff series stretch of games against each other that may decide the division championship. They. We know this is going to be a point two, three, four points at the end of the year. We know it's going to be close. So um, let's learn some stuff about both these teams tonight. Loaded show today. D-Mace dissection of the All-22 will come up very early this morning. We will do that at 6.30. We've got coffee with the coach, Kevin McCarthy of the Predators. At 7.30, we're going to get a Chiefs perspective on Sunday, get the latest on Patrick Mahomes, find out what his deal is as they take on the Titans. So we'll have a writer from The Athletic who covers the Chiefs, how Gill's going to stop by, Joe Rexroad. So we are absolutely packed on today's show. Morning Drive live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. We'll come back. Uh, I saw this yesterday on Twitter. A lot of snobbery in the world of hockey looking down on Predators Stars Winter Classic. A lot of hockey elitists north of the border and in the Northeast. Teams from the original six, the thumb in their nose at all of us. Got to rip them when we come back. Stay there. It is 6.15, morning drive here on a Thursday edition, D-Mace Dissection. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, 85 will go all in on the All-22. Is this a carry? You know it. Yeah, it is. Dude, so Featuring Ludacris, by the way. He did talk a little bit. I did I did ask a little bit about Kerry. Um, well, you have to. I know you got to rip some 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 uh, Canadian, which, well, te- we will. which technically is Mike Fisher, although he's now naturalized. He's now a United States citizen, so... Um, he, he he just you know kicked Canada to the curb I guess. Um, he, he interesting he met Carrie obviously everybody knows how they met which is like sort of a meet and he had a there's a meet and greet in the backstage of one of her concerts and one of her friends introduced them and and it was sort of like they hit it off from there. Um, 
he did tell me a story. I tried to get Mike Fisher to hook up Chase McCabe with Taylor Swift. Like, we tried. And, and Fish, Fish was like, at first, Fish was like, yeah, we know, Taylor, we can hook you up. And Constable comes over to the TV, or comes over to the set and puts on the headset. And he's like, uh, really? <laughs> can, can, you get, can you get me hooked up with T-Swizzle? Um, and, and I asked, I said, Mike, can you give Constable these, some advice on how to talk to a celebrity? Because it worked for you. You talked to Carrie Underwood into having your children. Yeah, but the so. difference is Mike Fisher looks like this. And happened to be a famous athlete. And Chase looks like this. No, don't make it about looks, man. Don't make it about looks. Not all about looks sometimes. I'm man. not going to rip Chase. I'm just saying Chase is not sexy. His, man, y'all damn lying. It is all about looks, man. Y'all lying. <laughs> Damn it! Why y'all lie? He's like, no, no, no. trying to help the boy <laughs> no, out. No, right? It is about looks, man. Uh, no, until, until you make a certain amount of money. Until <laughs> yeah, you make a whole bunch of money, or you get to know the person. But when you see someone, of course, it's about looks. You say, "Oh, they're they're beautiful, or they're handsome," or you see someone and say, "Damn, he looks like the bottom of my boot," <laughs> or "Damn, she looks like she should no, just stay in the that. dark." I'm, I'm pretty no, sure. No, just, that's me. I'm not gonna see him. I'm lie. pretty sure. Goodness I'm, gracious, man! No, stop. Look at, look at Tony. We, we're not walking around with pillows, okay? Welcome, no. to, the, welcome to the show, Derek. Goodness, man. I just, He's alive. Man, I, I, just, I despise that, man. The, the, He's got an adrenaline shot. Gosh, man. I'm pretty sure it Tony is. Snell gets more girls than me. And if I'm you ever seen sure. what Tony Snell looks that, like, and that, I'm, I'm pretty not sure the best looking dude in the world. When Mike Fisher walked up to Carrie Underwood, with his long she said, He's a handsome guy. Of course. And had he been. You know, had, had he looked like the bottom of her boot, she'd have been like, "I gotta get to know you more." Are you saying I gotta talk to you some more? Let's let's <laughs> let's just keep talking, you know. But because he's a handsome guy, very attractive, that kind of opened it up. It's like, okay, then she started talking. It's like, ah, oh, this guy's interesting. So are you, you know? are you suggesting that Chase McCabe looks like the bottom of Carrie Underwood's boot? I'm not saying Chase looks like the bottom of her. Maybe the shoestrings. No. Oh! <laughs> No, Chase, no, I'm just kidding with him. No, Chase is a handsome guy, man, but Chase probably does That's get weird. Opinion. He probably does get weird around <laughs> no, see, here's the thing. certain girls, so you I, know? I, and he had messed it up for himself. Of course. <laughs> I, asked, I asked Mike, I said, come on, like, how, like, how do you make it, like, how do you make the conversation normal when you're introduced to Carrie freaking Underwood? Like, how do you, like, what is that like? And he goes... So, goes, how do you put on your pants? Right, like, and, and that's his answer. It's like, hey, we're all just people. Like, just talk to us. Like, we're I'm, I'm a person. She's she's just a person. We just started talking. Like, just having a normal conversation. Like everybody else, we have problems, and you know they're they're raising their two small children right now. On, and he he put this on Instagram. Like he's she's doing a show like three or four nights a week, like breastfeeding. You know, doing working out ninety minutes a day. Like the, the like Carrie Underwood's routine is pretty grueling it's pretty it's pretty insane what she does mm-hmm. I, i'm not a, you know again i don't listen to her music my wife loves her music but I, I and she's got an unbelievable voice um but just the amount of time and effort she puts into a eight-month-old child and one of the most famous music careers on the planet all while being a like it's just it's it i just I have a lot of respect for for what they do and sort of mike's able now to be around with the kids a lot so um but i thought it was funny he goes He's like, yeah, you just gotta talk talk to her like she's normal, um, and he and he tra- he said he tried to set up one of his really famous hockey. He didn't tell me the name, but he tried to set up one of his really famous hockey buddies with Taylor Swift, <laughs> and this guy could like talk. He's like me, he just could talk to a brick wall and have a great time. <laughs> and and <laughs> at least you acknowledge and, it. And he, oh, me and the brick wall go way back. We <laughs> have lots of really fun conversations. It never talks back to me. It's great. Um, <laughs> and he said this dude. 
talks more than anybody's ever met in his life, and he met Taylor Swift, and he turned into just a ball of goo and could not say a word to this to this person. And he's like, dude, you blew it, man. Like, how did mm-hmm. you – you had a chance. See, people like you that, I think you have to you – can't, you can't talk to them in this big setting. Right. It has to be – if you're going to meet them, it has intimate, to be more, yeah. more of an intimate setting. So then now you could just talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he looks at – he goes – I go, it's all about confidence, right? And he goes, yeah, it's all about just confidence. And he looks at Chase. And I go, so does this guy have confidence or not? And Mike looks up at Chase and he goes, no. Oh, yeah, he's got it. Oh, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> oh, Chase has, Chase to, has listen, confidence. Chase man. has confidence. That's yeah. one thing he does have. Yeah, he after have, a couple he, of cocktails, sure. He yeah. might have too much confidence based on you telling him he looks like shoestrings. <laughs> How's this plan? Chase, no, he doesn't. I also got like more like a worn out insole. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, but that's you went generous. You went shoestring. That's even that's almost worse than the bottom of the boot. Exactly. <laughs> it might be worse. It's all sweaty and smelly. Yeah. It's got those little dots on it, like exactly. a little soft and gooey. Oh, man. <laughs> So, you're wrong for that one. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not right. Uh, I, I saw yesterday the our, our buddy, the Ultimate Predator, got into like a big Twitter beef with a lot of people on um, social media, and he tweeted this out. I thought this was interesting. He said the Stars they went the same route as the Preds, honoring historical Dallas's hockey uh, for repping the city with the Winter Classic jerseys. And he says it's amazing to me the number of people dumping on both Nashville and Dallas about the jerseys, the game, the location, the whole thing with the Winter Classic. And it got me thinking about people in the Northeast, you know, Flyer fans or Ranger fans or Bruin fans, the Canadian teams. You know, if the Winter Classic this year was the Bruins and the Leafs. Which is like what it is almost every other year. Right. And like if they were playing it at Fenway Park, all the hockey elitists and the traditionalists would say how great of, a, great of an idea this is. Yet, it's right. the Predators and the Stars. It's at the Cotton Bowl, iconic venue. And some people that aren't included in this want to kind of tear it down. I, number one, you know what I'm about to say. To Ultimate Predator, who I, who I know, DTB, DTB baby. No, it's not down to whatever B stands for. Uh, no, it's it is. Don't take the bait. So number one, don't take the bait here. Uh, don't don't let it bother you. Uh, what is College Game Day? What's one of the major thesis philosophies of College Game Day? Good stories. We want to showcase all the different parts of the game. Yep. We want to show you Kalamazoo, Michigan, and Fargo, North Dakota. Is it South Dakota? North Dakota. Um, we went to Beale Street last week, which is why I think they should be in Minnesota this week instead of LSU-Bama. I know why you're at LSU-Bama. That, that is part of the fabric of what game day is all about. And if you want to go for one year, you want to go to one of the oldest football stadiums in the country in, and, and sort of pay tribute to the history of hockey in two sort of non-traditional markets and look at the history of Dallas and the history of Nashville – that's a great thing. There's nothing that, that's a, it's an amazing, awesome, great thing for them to be doing. I think they did a great job with both logos. I think the Stars logo is really cool. Mm-hmm. I think the uniforms both look great, and they pay sort of homage to to the past, which is a cool thing to do. I, I don't know why it has to be anything more than that. Why yeah. does why does it have to be anything more than that? Just acknowledge yeah. that it's a cool historical thing, and then experience it, and then move on. And I would say to guys like Ultimate, don't take the bait. Who cares what some person. Some hockey guy in in Boston thinks about your team. Who cares? Yeah, apparently some of the guys on TSN were ripping on the logos. And if you think about it, it's a division rival. They had a playoff series last year, so it's kind of a rematch in that sense. Good teams. And and as much as I love college football, New Year's Day college football doesn't have the same feel it used to have when you take the playoff and you have it on the 28th or whatever the date might be. Like the Rose Bowl to me will always be the Rose Bowl, but the Rose Bowl is at dinnertime. So when you have a hockey game... Five hours earlier? I, I, I don't even think it really curtails your college football experience. And is that even their argument? 
Some people were saying, well, New Year's Day is all about college football. And I'm like, I, I love college football as much as anybody, but yeah. a hockey game bright and early when you're hungover New Year's Day morning? <laughs> you can do a lot worse than that. Pop, pop some champagne. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just hate traditionalists. I hate um, people that don't like change. Yeah. Um, That's fair. It, 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 you know, some things, you don't like it, but they, it's, I think everybody is sort of that way with certain things. Uh, I think we all are you know, creatures of habits. And, you know, if something changes on us, we don't agree with it right away. But then, you know, the more you, the more you see it or the more you're in it, it's like, okay, okay, I'm cool well, with it. Give us, give us the Beano cook story. You mentioned uh, oh, it was yeah, all there yeah, about yeah, change. Oh, yeah. um, I was watching, you know, cause it's the hundredth was 150 year yeah. of college football. And then it's hundred, hundredth year of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they both, you know, and they, and they both kind of, <laughs> You know, orchestrated this perfectly right at the same time. Amazing um, how that worked out. Absolutely. Um, so they do all of these really unique stories and and fun stories. So um, this had to be early '80s, might have been mid to early mid '80s, somewhere around there. Um, and this is when teams started to slowly but surely started to change their uniforms just a little bit, not a lot of major change, just yep. subtle little bitty changes. And they were talking about the best uniforms in college football. And everyone knows, I mean, the, iconic, Michigan the iconic uniform. Just, no, it's, it's Penn State. Yeah, Penn it State is, is really I, the I iconic uniform. Like, you see a Penn State uniform, you know it from miles away. It's one of my I mean, favorites. Exactly. So, because it's simple, classic, elegant, you don't have to really do anything. So, not, I guess they had, they had their contract with Nike. They finally got their contract with Nike. And... They didn't do much change. They just put a swoosh <laughs> on the sort of like the lapel area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just put a little swoosh. Man, Pino Cook went off. <laughs> yeah, how are you going to desecrate an iconic <laughs> uniform like that, putting a swoosh on it? I hate to see a what he thinks of Oregon. Pino, it's only a swoosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's about, what, an inch, what, an inch long? And they paid about $50 million for exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a swoosh. Yeah. But that's when you talk Well, how dare Penn State go from Russell Athletic to Nike. Absolutely. That's what you when you talk about traditionalists. Anything yeah. that changes, if you just put a dot on a uniform, it's well, like, Nike, what are you doing? And Nike in the 80s was not Nike that it is today. No, it's like, not. Nike was like the third. Before they signed Jordan, they were the third brand. Like Adidas and, and, and Fila, right? Were like, were like uh, big before. It might have been. And I know Reebok was big, too, in college Reebok. football. So they, they brought in Jordan. I mean, the story about Jordan and how he signs with Nike is fascinating, that they bring him in and, and they pitch him on signing with, with Nike in, in this tiny little shop in Oregon, mm-hmm. right? And, like, we're a nobody apparel company that's just getting off the ground because we've got such a running history, a track history in the state of Oregon, and that's how it gets started. And and, and the, I guess this guy had designed shoes or whatever, and so they, they pitch him on it, and he's like, he he eventually signs with Nike and it changes Nike forever. Like the, Voila. one guy's decision. But you're right. The uniforms is the one that people are so extraordinarily sensitive mm-hmm. about. Like I and, and I don't know about you guys, but I always think about the, the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. in the mid '90s as sort of like the definitive change when we went from like classic and traditional old school colors to all this piping and yeah, like shoulder Denver stripes. Changed, people and, were going crazy. Like they had the blue down the chest, down uh-huh. the, the rib cage. And then well, the Miami Hurricanes followed suit. the first suits. NFL teams to change sort of like their When they added all the weird. apparel and stuff, yeah. how, how they, like the colors and all that other stuff. It was I, the end of the Elway era. I, I, yeah, because they, they won a Super Bowl with their new uniforms. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they just didn't look like 
It, the Denver Broncos. It, yeah. it was just such a weird. Look. The orange crush look was gone. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and I again, I'm not saying Tampa Bay should have always looked like creamsicles, <laughs> but I, you know, their pewter stuff looked pretty cheesy for a long time. It still kind of does. I that to me, I always look at the Denver Broncos and say that, and then the Miami Hurricanes, mm-hmm. the greatest football team ever assembled in college football history, probably 2000, 2001, 2002, and they had just made their big switch, also from the orange traditional Miami uniform mm-hmm. to like the green with like the piping and the yeah. shoulder plates and the rib cage and like it all changed everything and people lose their minds over uniform changes these days. No, it's you're insane. right. You're right. I mean, I lost my mind a little bit when they changed the Titans uniforms. I just didn't want you them mean to the change. New ones? Yeah, I just didn't want to ch- I didn't want them to change the helmet, the logo. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, as much as people call it a thumbtack, I mean, some things I think you got to just keep change the jersey. Okay, well fine, but keep the thumbtack. I like it. Coming up next, an early installment of a D-Mace dissection here on a Thursday. Derek Mason will go behind the all-22 of your Tennessee Titans. He's got a few plays highlighted as the Titans get ready for the Chiefs. We'll get to the tape when we come back here on Morning Drive. The following is a presentation of ESPN 1025, the game in collaboration with Morning Drive and cannot be replicated, duplicated, or reproduced without the express written consent of Derek Mason. Who, who, by the way, Derek Mason, who, by the way, is a modern American hero. Just want to throw that out there. Yes. Derek Mason, my hero. Uh, Yes. Let's get to the tape. I mean, that's, you know what? That's why. That's why I'm going to live till I'm 108. Because yeah. you know they said that's good for you. Yeah. Your, your immune system is going to be in fantastic shape. Yeah. That's, that's, they say it's good for you. I know. Seriously. I, I, what, do, living do, to 108? No, no. Yeah. But the things that, there, people, things that people do. Well, I mean, it's a grown folk station. Um, <laughs> no, but they, they said, you know, when you, when you, you know, it's, if you have your wife and you and your wife have fun a lot. Then that that's better for your health. Mm-hmm. Seriously, like yeah. going to dinner. Or? Yeah, I mean all that stuff. Okay. Dinner, you know, the things that follow. Yeah, dinner? have a little cocktail and then then whatever follows. There you know, go. y'all play it a little chess. Reduces stress. Yeah, reduces Enhances stress. Enhances immune exactly. function. Yeah, you can you can use that, Nick. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things I could use. <laughs> I could use a better immune, fun- immune function myself. <laughs> so let's break. Let's uh, let's make sure we're breaking down the right type of tape here. We're exactly. gonna, we're going to go behind the scenes here. All 22 yeah. of this was last week's game. This was last week's game versus the North Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Carolina Panthers. I was going to say they're the only they're the only, isn't there only two teams in the league that don't have a state that they are a like a region? It's the New England Patriots which is not a state. Mm-hmm. And it is the Carolina Panthers which is not a state. That's correct. There are yeah. there's a North and a South. Maybe we don't need a North and a South Carolina. Yeah, you're right, we don't. We definitely don't need a North and a South Dakota. Why are there two Dakotas? Just like, merge them together. Just merge them together. Understand. together. Dakota. Let's, Dakota. Exactly. Let's, let's, Dakota. Add, let's add DC or Puerto Rico and then make the Dakotas just a Dakota. Anyway, yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm, and I then apologize. we can put a border around on Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> we could put a wall around Colorado too, but why you at it? Don't know why. <laughs> yeah, don't know why. But here we go. Yes. <laughs> All right, dissect something. <laughs> All right, people. My computer has been on the fritz, and I had to, to do some things. I had to take it to the lab yesterday, and I jotted down some plays, three plays, and then I had to, you know, write my little what do they call a synopsis? So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think this is your scouting report. Right? Yeah, my scout. My now, scouting what what player report. are we putting under the microscope here? We are putting the first play. It's the actually, you know, ironically, it's the first play of the game. First play, first play of the game. The first play, first play. Yeah, first play, first play like for that. the Tennessee Titans. They are starting at it's first and ten at their own twenty-four. Um, 
12 minutes and two seconds uh, remaining in the first quarter. So this is when they first get the football. We're going to call this I left close zip Z over X go. This is, you know what? When we, we talk about Arthur Smith, not being um, aggressive enough. This was a outright aggressive play call uh, against a team that's um, really good against the pass. Um, last week they played a team that was really good against the run and they tried to run the ball. Well, they're playing against a team that's really good in the past and they're trying to throw the football. Uh, Corey Davis comes in motion. He play action pass to Derrick Henry. Linebacker suck up. Um, not Ryan suck up. No, he they, messed him up. <laughs> yes. He sucks in his own right. Exactly. Um, but they bite on the play action pass. He has Corey Davis running an over route. The safety does exactly what he wants him to do. And he runs and attacks Corey Davis. That leaves one on one with um with Tajay Sharp in the corner. He throws a excellent pass and it's a pass interference. You're talking a forty something yard gain on a first place first play. I like this play is because one, the play action. Everyone knows that Tennessee Titans, their tendency is to run the ball first play of the game. Um they chose the play action pass, which Sucked those linebackers in. It gave um, it gave the quarterback Tannehill a clear look at the coverage, a clear look at what was going on. He saw that the safety bit. If the safety doesn't bite, he has Corey Davis on over route for at least a fifteen yard gain. He probably breaks a tackle and gets another ten yards. He sees that the safety the safety bites down, and he sees um, Sharp running down the sideline. Throws a ball. It wasn't a perfect ball but it was a ball that caused a pass interference in this instance because the defensive back wasn't looking back for the ball. Tajay Sharp tried to get the ball and it ended up being a 45-yard game without a catch, but sometimes, you know, getting the pass interference is just as, well, all the time getting the pass interference is just as good as the catch. Yeah. Unless, it would have been a, unless it would have been a clear-cut touchdown. Um, so I like this play. I like that Arthur Smith started off aggressive. Um, I like that Arthur Smith but the tendency that the Tennessee Titans have with running a football on first down um, because when they did it, the linebackers sucked in, everyone read run, and they had a guy streaking up the sideline as well as over um, the middle of the field. So he read that perfectly. They didn't get the pass completion, but they got something just as good. That's the pass interference. They got the yardage. Absolutely. That's 42 yards, right? Yeah. I mean, in this day and age of football where they throw a ton of flags, you know they're not going to overturn these reviewable pass interferences at any percentage that's noticeable. I think it's less than 15%. If I was an offensive coordinator in 2019, if I'm not calling four to six vertical shot plays per game, I'm not doing my job. No, you're right. That's just the way I view it. Like, Like, take some shots, force these guys to throw the flag, Worst case scenario, you flip field position and it's a well, punt. And, and even if it's a total incompletion, you're forcing a defensive coordinator to think about something. Yeah, exactly. If, if for no other reason, you're just the, the safeties. It's sort of like the Ryan Ellis conversation we've had this week, where like be a little dirty because you want to have people thinking about you every time you play against them. Well, yep. you don't have to complete the pass to to scare a safety into maybe a half second because mm-hmm. all you might need is a half second delay on a different play. Right, exactly. It, 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 maybe that's where Derrick Henry gets 14 yards on a, on an off tackle play, right? Because he's just he's a he's got to think about it for that half a second. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you 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 force the defense to play it honest when you take shots down the field. I, I think it, it. I guess a lot of it predicates on how many times you get the ball per quarter. 
Um, but you you should try to take at least you should you should call at least two shot plays per quarter. Now, do you get to that deep ball sometimes? No, you might not, but it's called and the defense got to play it. The worst thing you could do for a defense is run everything short, unless your short game is just impeccable. Like Tom Brady um, was exactly, the underneath absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Like Drew Brees, how he, he loved to deliver the ball very quickly. Peyton Manning used to do it all the time and then set you up for the long long pass at the end of the game, toward the end, um, second half of the game. So it works both ways. All right, second play we're going to call this. Um, it's third and 14 uh, at the Carolina um, 38-yard line. All of these plays – um, ironically, happened early in the game. Um, I think they had some success uh, moving the ball early in the game uh, with the Tennessee Titans against this this really good um, pass defense. We're going to call this uh, bunch right um, H sit. Uh, so we got a bunch to the right side. It's third and fourteen, so they need fourteen yards. They're in. They are in scoring territory, meaning touchdown field goal they need if they can't get the first down at least they pick up a big chunk of yards to try to kick the field goal um what happens is uh they run basically two outs and a stop by um Humphreys this is a good play because they read zone uh when Tannehill gets the football he reads zone you know they're playing zone they no fool is going to play man-to-man on third and 14 because you're susceptible to give up the deep pass or you miss a tackle when a guy's streaking up the sideline. So they're trying to keep everything in front of them. Humphreys does a great job at finding a hole in the defense. This is what you – these are smart players. These are smart smart calls and they're smart players seeing the defense on the run. We are always taught as receivers, read on the run. Know what the defense is doing on the run. Adam Humphreys did an excellent job at getting 13 yards depth turning around, catching the football, almost getting the first down. Uh, Ryan Tannehill takes his three-step three drop. He's already in the gun. He hits that back foot, and he delivers the ball between the between the um, safety and the linebacker. This is an excellent pass because he reads it very quick. He's not trying to necessarily get the first down. What he's trying to do is put his team in a good position to kick a field goal. Now, if Humphreys catches it, break a tackle, get another two yards, it's a first down. But just so happy he catches it, they corral him. He's he's a yard short. Sucker comes in and hopefully gets the field goal. So to me, this was a great play call um, by by um, Arthur Smith, knowing that okay, the likelihood of us converting a third and fourteen is very slim, but at least we can get enough yards to kick a field goal. Adam Humphreys read read the defense on the run, caught it in between the two linebackers, turned up the field, got an extra yards. It still turned out to be fourth and one, but it gives them an opportunity to kick a field goal. Tannehill reads it perfectly. Offensive line blocks well. Those in the middle field, bam, completion. Not a first down, but enough for a um, enough for a field goal, a, a makeable field goal. Let's say that, or at but, least for able to go for it on fourth down, like exactly. like a nut job. He, he can go for it on for, um, fourth down, um, and I think Kern. May no, he missed it. No, he made it. No, no, he missed it. Well, wide he, left. I'm pretty sure Suckup missed all of them. Yeah, he missed that wide left. Come on, Suckup. Well, and I don't even blame Suckup for that. I, I think he was put out there too early. Like I, I think, I, I don't know why you forced it. I don't know why you just didn't keep Co- Cody Parkey had been making field goals. I, not mm-hmm. that he's like your answer at long term at the position, but like why, why, why rush a guy who's got a yeah. weak leg back into the game? Because clearly he doesn't have a strong enough leg. Like cl- like. Was it the 50-yarder that was just short? That came up just short? That's not Ryan Suckup. Ryan Suckup's better than that. So I, it looked like he was rushed back. 
Yes, I'm getting a third play. I got it written down. Oh, here we go. Right here. I got to find you it. You want to do it right now or you want to get it on the we other side? We can do it on the other side because okay. I'm looking for it. I got it written down, but I'm looking for it right. so I can go through the play. Final play of the D-Mace dissection when we come back. And then some Titans calls on the line as well. You can jump in right now. We'll get those in in the next segment. 615-737-1025. Morning Drive here on a Thursday on ESPN 1025 The Game. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. D-Mace dissection segment number two. We'll wrap it up with the third and final play. All right. And then we've got a Titans call to get to as well. All right. Third and final play. This this play is is, is vindic- indicative of sort of how their night day went against Carolina. Started off first and ten. Um, Jerry McCoy gets a penalty. Um, so it's first and five. It went from first and five to first and 15. You know why? <laughs> because penalty on Taylor Lewan holding. Okay? So now they're at first and 15. Okay? Um, and then, obviously, they, they go and they don't convert on that down. But the play that I want to, and they have this mislabeled for some reason. I don't know because they, they have first down, first down, first down, then fourth down. They have it mislabeled. I don't know what 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 what's going on with the person who did the all twenty two. They need to correct that. So we're going to go with um, it's second and sixteen rather. Um, we're going to go with trips left rip, um, and we're going to tight end in tight end in. Um, we got the they're playing zone defense because it's first and fifteen. I think it's really third and fifteen on this call, but they mislabeled it. Um, it's a good play call. To me, it's a good play call because when you make plays like, when you call plays like this, when it's third and 15, you know zone, more than likely zone is going to be played. Um, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to call plays that finds holes in the zone. Well, to me, the XN, well, the tight end in finds a hole in the zone. And there's a hole there. But Ryan Tannehill, um, sees the pass, sees the player, reads the defense correctly, uh, but because he gets a push up the middle, um, and granted, Ben Jones wasn't playing this past game, so mm-hmm. it was Nate Davis. That, was it Douglas or Davis that was playing? Douglas was center. Douglas was center. Yep. Douglas got beat off the ball right away. He didn't have a chance. Shocking. Um, they shaded, they shaded the um, – they shaded the 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 guard. Well, actually, it was the guard that got beat. So it was your boy, Big Raj. Big Raj. Big Raj. Oh, there you go, Big Raj. Yeah, Big Raj yeah the captain beat. a couple of weeks ago. Big, Big Raj. Raj gets beat, um, and Tannehill had no chance at throwing his ball because you got a three hundred and some pound man barreling in on you. So he couldn't step into the throw. But he saw the man coming wide open, um, the tight end um, coming wide open. I think it was either it might have been Pruitt. Um, coming wide open um, on the in route. The ball sailed high. The ball sailed high because he couldn't step into a throw, his throw. That's what we talked about a lot with Marcus when his ball sailed high. Why did his ball sail high? Well, he wasn't able to step into his throw. Sometimes it was because of the rush, but then sometimes it's because of Marcus's mechanics. He never really followed through on his passes, but Tannehill does, but he wasn't able to follow through on this when he got rushed right up the middle of the field. That's what I, uh, we talk a lot about Edge rushers, edge rushers, edge rushers. It's not necessarily about edge rushers anymore. Yeah. It's about that push up the middle. 
quarterbacks are smart enough now. They tell these tackles, just push them by. I'm going to step up in the pocket and I'm going to deliver the ball. One thing they hate is that when I try to step up, I can't step up. And that causes for a lot of errant passes. And in this situation, Ryan Tannehill was not able to step into his throw because he got rushed directly up the middle. The ball sails high on him, fourth down, Tennessee Titans punt. But they were put in that position because, one, a penalty, a holding call on Taylor LeJuan, which pushed them behind the change. And then, two, the next very next play, they get rushed directly up the middle. The right play is called to get a first down to the tight end. But because he was not able to step into his throw, the ball sailed high. Tennessee Titans punt the ball. People look at it and say, well, Tannehill threw the ball high. There he go again. No, but there was a lot of factors into why he threw the ball high. He couldn't, one, Taylor DeWan put him in a bad position. Two, he could not step into his throw to deliver the ball because the tight end's wide open. He's coming open on one. He's, he's finding a space in that zone. He's finding a second hole in that zone. That's where Ryan Tannehill throws it, but he throws it high. Luckily, it wasn't intercepted because there was no one behind him. Mm-hmm. But Titans, they squander another opportunity and have to punt the football. There's a lot to get to there. I think one of the things we probably have not <clears throat> asked enough is where are you, Taylor Lewan? Where where are you right now? Like what yeah. what what are you doing in the locker room? Who what are you saying to people? Um, you got you got people on other teams calling you out for being paper tough. You know what is that a thing? Paper tiger? Yeah, yeah paper know. tiger. Paper tiger. Like just fake tough guy, fake leader. Um, we, we know his shtick off the field. Again, call it whatever you want, personality, shtick, whatever. Mm-hmm. When you're winning, it's personality. When you're losing, it's shtick. I don't know. Um, and, and there are major questions right now about his on and off the field performance with this team. And, and I don't think we've talked enough about, I don't, you know, in general, about how much of this hangs around his neck, what's happening in this, in this situation this year, the way it's all gone down like it, from beginning to end. It's been a disaster. You got to lay a lot of this at yep. Taylor Lewan's feet because, again, if you're going to be the highest paid player at your position, if you're going to have make mistakes like you just pointed out, you're the highest paid player on the team beside the quarterback. And, 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 and I mean, technically, the quarterback, like, mm-hmm. technically, he's not even going to be here next year. Exactly. So, you know, whatever Tannehill's making is going to be less than Taylor Lewan, probably, yep. or maybe about the same. Uh, it, it's that that is a conversation that it, there needs to be a major adjustment on the offensive line, and it, ha- it can't be anymore. It's not on Keith Carter. It's not on Vrabel. It's not on Arthur Smith. It's on Taylor Lewan. Yeah. And it's on that offensive line to fix it themselves. 615-737-1025. Keith is checking in here on Morning Drive. What's up, Keith? Hey, guys. I, I hate to change the subject, but there was something that Derek was talking about, pass interference earlier. Yep. And I'm curious, do y'all think that the reason – I've noticed there's a lot of ticky-tack pass interference calls. Right now, do you think the reason why there is is because now pass interference can be reviewed? So referees call the little ticky tack, afraid that they're going to get called out on it, and I'll hang up and listen. I, I don't know that that's really changed. I, I just feel like the, the referees, and I don't want to make it a referee discussion. They're just flag happy. I, I just feel NFL football is so choppy with the amount of penalties we see week in and week out across the league. Um, yeah, but it could be. Uh, Which makes me want Arthur Smith to throw it deep more because these guys are so inclined to throw the hanky. Well, I don't think they – here's, here's what happens. <laughs> it's almost like the we're getting into the territory of what's a catch and what's not a catch. 
when you start implementing all these rules and we can reach, you know, you got to do this in order to, for it to be a catch. You got to get two feet down. You got to start running. You got to do a pirouette and then you got to do the splits in order for it to be a catch. Um, when it before it wasn't like that and it was more clear cuts like, okay, this is a catch. This is not. It's, it you is what it is. You need to do the boot scooting boogie. Absolutely. And get three feet down. Exactly. It's like, catch. okay, now it's a catch. And then, you know, it made it harder for the refs to make a call on whether it's a catch or not. It's it's that way with pass interference now. I've always said that the NFL is reactive. They are not proactive. They react based upon what happens. And then they say, oh, we got to do something. What happened with the New Orleans Saints shouldn't have caused the whole league to just, you know, oh, we need to make a sweeping change and now we need to review pass interference. That was one call. I, it was, was it a, a, an egregious miss? Absolutely it was. But I don't think it was to the point where now you got to start, oh, we need to review pass interference and all this other stuff. I just don't know if the referees really know what pass interference is anymore. They just <laughs> throw flags. It's like, I'm going to throw it. And if you challenge it, more than likely it's not going to get changed. So I'm just going to throw it and, and let it be what it is. The minute you, the minute the, the minute New Orleans started to complain about that passing the fish, and it was a passing the fish. They just yeah. missed it. Yeah. It was an egregious call. They missed yeah. it, but it shouldn't have been. Oh, now we, we need to make rule. all yeah. these changes. No, I, no it just shouldn't have because it was one play. No, the, the mechanism to fix what happened in New Orleans was already in place. They should have huddled up exactly. and said, "Oh, we we crap, we missed, crap, we yeah. missed this. That's a flag." And exactly. then, then drop their hanky. They've done it before. And and said uh, pass interference on the defense, spot of the foul, first down New Orleans. They could have fixed the, the mechanism was already in place to fix the problem. We didn't need to. It was a hit the, to the head and everything. We didn't need to change the rule book. I, I agree with you 100. percent Now I will also be the wet blanket on this conversation and say I think the refs are okay. I don't think they're great. I think they're making mistakes, but I think it's a really really impossible job. There's a million jobs I would take before I'd ever take a referee job. <laughs> don't want that job to to save my life. Um, I think it's a really tough thing to do to be a referee in football. And I, and I think they, by and large, do a very good job of it. I, so I'll be the the wet blanket that says I don't think there are. I, I need to see data on the if there are more uh-huh. pass interference calls today than there were five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. I'd need to see that data before I can say yeah they're 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 calling it more or less. Uh, let's squeeze Josh in here because he's got some thoughts on what you just mentioned, Braden. With that being Taylor, Luan, Josh, you're on Morning Drive. You go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for taking the call. When I heard over the radio the announcement of Taylor Luan's contract. I was so angry and afraid of what was going to happen down the road because of that contract. And I wanted to call a Saved by the Bell Zach Morris timeout <laughs> and uh, see if I could hit the rewind button for us. I just don't think that Taylor Lewan is the kind of guy who you pin that kind of money and time on and make him uh, such a linchpin in your organization, a character or, um, or play on the field. I, I don't understand the value there. I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on it. Oh, we're gonna need to. We need to carry this over. Yeah, let's let's, if we can. Because I don't think there's a character question with Taylor. Yeah, I I think if we can, we can answer that if we have enough time. Mm -hmm. More on the other side, and stay on. Let's continue to listen because we're gonna answer your question. Yes, Taylor Lewan conversation will continue when we come back. And don't forget, be listening in the seven o'clock hour because ESPN one hundred two five the game is sending one lucky listener and a guest to Dallas with a Winter Classic celebration flyaway. Be listening in the next hour for your cue. To call and your chance to qualify, the winner will be announced on Friday, November the 15th at 530 on Jared and the GM. Hour two next on Morning Drive.